your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to the Blocking Charge Cast, the only Big Ten college basketball podcast that's on this particular part of the internet. Uh, I am Steve Braun, alongside my co-host, well, really, really the guy that puts this all together, uh, except for the reporting and mixing. That's, that's Andrew Krzyzewski. And we're here to talk about, there's like just a few weeks left in the season, and some shutdowns have turned it into a gauntlet. Yeah, this is, um, so the first question that I want to ask is, I, mean, I want to get to the bottom of whether my utter loss of interest in this college basketball season is solely because my team is having its the worst season of my lifetime, or at least certainly of my memory. I mean, they're pretty bad for a while in the early 90s, but certainly the worst team of the last 25 years at Michigan State. So what I'm trying to figure out, and I think you can help me on this, is whether my it goes beyond on we it's like an almost almost hostile detachment from it because it you know i'll watch pieces of other games and like some some guy will miss like a wide open layup and i'm like figures fucking figures and like it's like maryland minnesota like i don't care about this game why do i care if liam robbins missed a layup but i'm still like i still just have as angry of a reaction as if it's michigan state blowing a layup or you know know, for example putting joey hauser on travion williams at the buzzer something dumb and unbelievable like that what you're describing is how i felt so 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 often in like the doldrums of an illinois football season that that like from the beginning was going to be lost right and it's like we just want to see how bad the damage is so now like we've had a game on friday night gotten our doors blown off and so now i'm just watching saturday not even sure why i'm watching but every time i watch you know the the team that i wanted to score does something stupid or something like that. And it's like, oh, okay. There's nothing that I there 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 is no joy for me in this sport, regardless of my team. But it is it is about your team. <laughs> like, at least that's how I see it. Okay. Cause I mean, it I do feel as though for a minute earlier in the season, I was flying when MSU beat Duke and then Illinois also beat Duke, and then Duke was just not any good. It's like, well, even that's kind of turning to ash in my mouth. Duke um, is so bad that they're not a quad one win for us anymore. <laughs> Duke is actually so bad that they're hurting our resume. It would have been better for us to to beat Abilene Christian on the road than to beat Duke on the road. They're a quad two win. They're no longer helping our resume. <laughs> just, just ridiculous. And I think Kentucky is what like six and thirteen now or something. I think they just won a game they played or or something. I don't know. I think uh, I saw Duke was like <laughs> slipped to seven and eight, which was their yeah. first losing record in decades. Yeah, I, I'm sure. So look, the thing is. Oh, I didn't put this in the outline, but we had what I'm pretty sure is the first power conference firing of the basketball season. Boston College let go of uh, Christian as he found their way to a three and thirteen record. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of that—it's hard to know how much of that is his fault, but he was the guy that that said, "Hey, look, I'm not the one that's choosing to play with four scholarship players. This is out of kind of out of my hands." <laughs> yeah that is true (laughs) well as 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 brad keselowski said after being wrecked out on the last lap of the daytona 500 last night i don't drive everybody else's car so and prevent (laughs) stupid things from happening yeah so so that happened and you know it's much less of a surprise now because of course going into the football season 
we and I think most observers were like, oh, well, there's no way you can fire anybody after this, like regardless of what happens. And then South Carolina fired Will Muschamp anyway, and that kind of opened the floodgates. That wasn't the first football firing, but it was the first. That was the the first one that really like seemed to matter. I mean, um, I actually going in, I thought like, oh, wow, Illinois is the only school that has a reasonable case to fire their coach just because the money was so small by that point. Like I thought it was a unique situation. And then, oh, oh, no, here's like everybody's fired. Texas fired their coach. Uh, Tennessee fired their like all these firings start happening. They fired Auburn fired Gus Malzahn. Like, oh, never mind. It's just a regular year. Yeah, the Tennessee thing was a little different because he got caught super cheating. But uh, no, it was just it's and the reason I bring that up is kind of the, the continuity of the thread here is yeah, we're in the middle of the weirdest year since, you know, probably the Spanish flu, like the last pandemic, but uh, this money machine ain't going to stop worrying. Money machine, go burr. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what happened right after the Spanish flu and the end of World War One is everywhere got new stadiums that they built. So that's going to be the new thing that happens. Yeah. And they're all going to be public works grifting Exactly. I was going to say, I'm sure there won't be public finance boondoggles involved here. It'll be it'll be like a combination of New Deal scale construction in terms of, you know, breadth and number of projects, but with the modern financing model of, hey, actually, the local municipal government is on the hook for it. Can't wait. It's going to be they have to pay, but don't own anything. (laughs) They don't they don't own the building, can't keep concessions or ticket revenues. And in fact, have to share their property tax revenues with the owner of the bill. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, man, you know, you think about a lot of predatory situations in which you can live, you know, like, like I'm in, I'm in reasonably good shape with my renting here, but that's still like, you know, where you're paying a bunch of money and you don't own things. You can't as an individual get into a situation that disadvantageous to you that the cities get in with these pro stadium deals where they have to pay for everything and they don't own anything. (laughs) It's just, uh. Got one more fan. Like it's, it, I mean, child support is the closest thing I can think of. But even then, you actually, you actually spawned the child. Yeah, at least you had sex in that case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, at least yes, at, at least point, you scored. We had sex, so at least you uh, scored. <laughs> oh, and it, surely our listeners will tell here exactly how enthusiastic we are to talk about college basketball. But okay, let's get to it. So, from a conference-wide perspective, something that I have observed. And the standings will tell you this. You don't have to necessarily have to watch a few games a week the way I've been trying to, but the basement has become a much more egalitarian place in the Big Ten than it was last year when we had what we thought was a historically strong Big Ten then, although it turns out actually now it's just this is the strongest Big Ten ever. And so last year it was Nebraska and Northwestern pushed down so much farther because of, I mean, basically one through 12, you had teams that were good enough to be in the tournament. Obviously not all of them could have made it even if the bracket had happened, but it's gotten a lot more, a lot more, uh, there's a lot more space at the bottom this year. And I have to give myself a little bit of credit because I did expect big steps backward from Maryland and Penn state. Because frankly, they they lost things I didn't see that they had ready replacements for. Turns out I could have applied that wisdom to my own team as well. I just kind of figured, you know, he's been at this 25 years and is in the Hall of Fame. Maybe he won't be caught with his dick in his hand. Well, if you go back and look at look at what we said previewing, you know, your questions for Michigan State was like, what who who will who will replace Cassius Winston? And, and I went back through like all the other seemingly irreplaceable players they lost and they, they replaced him with someone. 
right? Yeah, I mean, how, like, Cassius Winston was a great player, and so was Xavier Tillman, but were they, was that loss, should those losses really have been any more dramatic than losing Denzel Valentine, Draymond Green, you know, Kalen Lucas, even though he was hurt midway through his career? Like, they've had great players before. And it really just looks like an evaluation miss for Izzo, especially with some of these guys in this junior class that he's relying on. Um, because, you know, both members, both would-be members of his senior class are playing for the Memphis Grizzlies now. So um, this class was going to be important. There's six guys in it with Hauser transferring in, and they just aren't good enough to match the program standard. So anyway, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that because we talked about MSU a ton in our last episode. Frankly, it depresses me, and there's not a whole lot else to say. Like we, well, you did want to also talk about the rest of the the, the basement there. Nebraska yeah. finally got a win, which yeah, was their hey, first no, in 26 Big Ten games. No naked lap. Their first win since January. I forget the exact date of last year in the conference. As you said, 26 straight. Um, kind of a compelling late game situation there. They edged out the one point win over Penn State. Um, Man. What's what's crazy is that's one of those things that um, a lot of times when a team like Nebraska puts up the kind of performance that they did against, I mean, they, they played Illinois to overtime and usually you'll hear the commentary team talk about, well, you know, this Nebraska team has nothing to be ashamed of. And, you know, you got to think they can really build on this to, you know, maybe this proves that they can compete in this league and maybe they just, they just needed this kind of confidence boost. And usually what happens 99 times out of a hundred is they go in the next game and they like drop one that they were favored in. Um, but in this case, it seems to have actually carried on over. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how long this can last because thanks to this layoff they had where they only, they only played two games in the month of January. Um, they to, to fit in as many of these makeup games as they can, because I guess it's important for some reason. You know, we got to let Nebraska get their tournament record in order, I guess, as they're five and 12 overall now. But here's I'm just going to read off all the days in, in February that they had to play games and will have to play games. OK, because so their first game was uh, last week against Michigan State. That was the sixth. They played the eighth, the 10th, the 12th, the 14th, the 16th, the 17th, the 20th, the 24th and the 28th. They're going to play. So that's, I lost count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games in the month of February. They're which, not actually, is that some kind of a misprint? Because are they actually playing at Maryland two days in a row? It kind of looks like it. Yeah. Um, Maryland was one of their postponed games. I think the Terps might have had one or two other games that they've lost. And I was going to ask you, because yeah, that's what the schedule says is that they're playing Maryland tomorrow and also Wednesday after playing yesterday um this is it's just it's such a farce and it i don't know i don't know why the bare nature of it bothers me so much because it's not like it's not like we haven't known this right we've known this whole thing is about money for a long time and we've known that the excuses offered oh you know we can't pay them because they're student athletes amateur model whatever we know stuff was pretext but it's like like not even pretending like there's no justification for making amateur athletes play 10 games in 28 days that's insane well it's less than 28 days because it's between the 6th and the 22nd that's 10 games in barely three weeks like the, <laughs> by the end of this i mean what do you think how much are they gonna is illinois gonna beat them by when you play them on the 24th is it gonna be less than 30 points i don't think you can set a betting line of that of 31 and a half 33 and a half it still wouldn't seem reasonable so 
it, it's thoroughly insane. They were going to have problems this year competing anyway. Look, before the postponement started coming in, they were four and eight overall when they played against Indiana on January 10th. They'd only had one game postponed at that point. Well, two, they had, they lost one of Florida AM, but they got a makeup game in for that. So, so here it is in story form. Just after running three ignominious skids in their last game, the Nebraska Cornhuskers look to start a streak in the right direction when they visit the Maryland Terrapins in Big Ten play on Tuesday and Wednesday in College Park, Maryland. So yeah, they're really doing it. I just like... They have two different road trips to Illinois later. Yeah, that's right. That's the other thing is... They're going to Illinois, then hosting Rutgers, then going back to Illinois. <laughs> they have they have seven games left on the schedule, and only two of them are at home. And that's before, like, <laughs> they they just had two games. Last week they played Wednesday and Friday. Those are both at home. And then before that, again, they're going to go, like, the whole second half of the season and play, like, three or four games at home. It, it's just insane. I, I'd be screaming, to, and again, it's not to say that they would have been good this year, but it's it's not fair. Like it, it's patently not fair. Well, and then I mean, play, <laughs> I mean, wait. they have they have as a result of this, they have a team that they're playing three times, and that's a top five team, <laughs> <laughs> and they're the worst team in the Big Ten. This just doesn't seem like something that should happen. Yeah, yeah, and then you know you flip it the other way. Michigan's allowed to choose whether they want to play Illinois when they come back. Like, no, why don't we – not that they had a much better return because Michigan still had to play Wisconsin, and that's a tough game. Not quite the same as playing Illinois, though. When they had the choice. Like, I can't imagine – or maybe they do. Maybe this is Hoiberg's doing. I don't know. Uh, geez. But, yeah. Well, speaking, so. of, speaking of rescheduling games related to Illinois, um, Michigan – Michigan basketball, Michigan men's basketball, which was the only Michigan program that wasn't able to get up and play last week, um, finally returned to competition against Wisconsin, where they proceeded to suck it up in the first half, and then uh, Wisconsin just kind of went away. Yeah, there was a there was a long stretch where Wisconsin could not hit a shot. We've se- we have seen this. There was another game earlier this week that I was watching. Uh, it was Indiana Northwestern. And I don't remember, the, I believe the halftime score was 24 to 20 or something like that. And as they're coming back, the booth is trying to find some way to put lipstick on this pig. And they, they just, they chose to just address it directly. And I don't remember who was on the call, but the guy who was calling it for, I believe, BTN, God, I hope this wasn't a national game, just said, well, if you like scoring droughts, you've come to the right place. <laughs> <laughs> indeed oh boy i didn't realize that i didn't realize that michigan had actually like they they're not rescheduling illinois so that's kind of that's gonna really affect the uh the title race because now we need somebody to beat michigan yeah and uh that's not gonna happen because they're scheduled the rest of the way they've got the game against ohio state i believe they play iowa again i think that's basically it in terms of real likely challenges um there's you know, why don't I just look it up right now since we're talking about this? So, again, this is after. So they were off for about three weeks, and you you have to give them credit for coming back looking as smooth as they did. Okay, they play at for. Oh no, they played at Purdue. That already happened. I'm sorry. So yeah, there are five remaining games. They do host Rutgers, but they handle them pretty easily the first time. They go to Ohio State. That'll be a challenge. Then they host Iowa. The other two games are Indiana and Michigan State. And again, you see the difference here where 
despite coming back later than Nebraska, Michigan only has six games after missing almost a month. Nebraska is going to play like 11. Like, what are we doing? Like, again, I, I just don't understand. How can you rationalize this? And as far as I know, as far as I've seen, there hasn't been any explanation from the conference on how this is allowed. Like, how is this even possible? So that's, that's yeah, I, good luck catching him at this point. Because looking well, this at- is, here's, here's something weird now. Michigan's 9-1 in conference play. Illinois is 10 and three, half a game yeah. back. Ohio State is also half a game back at 11 and four. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know how you award a conference title when one team's played five fewer games. It, but again, like we have this precedent from football where, yeah, Ohio State wasn't eligible according to the rules we all agreed on. But hey, you know what? Fuck those rules. We're just going to give it to them anyway. <laughs> like, that's kind of how it's going to happen. So, um, enjoy that banner, Michigan fans. It's not going to mean anything. That's the one, you know, most of the time I, I tend to think in the regular season, nobody remembers the detail. And we've had, I've had this argument with people before. I used to kind of be of the opinion that if it's a shared conversation, does it mean as much? And the counter argument I heard, which I think kind of landed with me a little bit is, well, yeah, but if you're in the building and you look up, it's not like they put a little asterisk next to it and say split three ways or whatever. They just give you a conference title. This is the one where I think if you're honest with yourself as a Michigan fan going into Chrysler, looking at what I expect will be that conference title, because again, with the schedule they've got left, I don't see a, I don't see more than one loss out of that five, and that would be a stretch. So Looking up at that conference style, you're really going to tell me that seeing that 2021 Big Ten champions thing isn't going to make you remember how fucking goofy this season was. Um, it would if it was my team, but maybe maybe I'm projecting a little bit. I don't know. Man, they could have just scheduled this out over an extra week, but they got to do the Big Ten tournament again, even though the last time they did the Big Ten tournament, it, it uh, this. <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> it caused all this. Uh but, you know, as, as we're talking here about the top of the table, it is also, I think, a kind of a noteworthy national story that even with more teams toward the bottom that don't have, so there's less, there, there are fewer teams that are definitely tournament caliber this year versus last. But looking at some of the advanced statistics, including my preference, the Ken Palm rating, there's actually pretty strong indications that the league is still pretty damn strong from top to bottom, even the teams that have gotten roughed up in the record. So as of tonight, February 15th, there are only three teams in the Big Ten that are outside of the Ken Palm top 40. Uh, that's Michigan State at 69. Hey, nice. Uh, Northwestern at 72, and then Nebraska at 118. Other than that, every team in the conference is in the top 40. I saw something that I don't remember what metric they were using for this, but that the that this year's Big Ten is now since they since they started, I mean, since I think uh the Ken Palm computer started. Uh, the the second best basketball conference since those records, second only to the 2004 ACC. But why not? The the comment that I heard was that it's actually the best, and I don't know. It may have depend on when you and I heard those respective comments. Yeah, Ken Palm's data I think only goes back to 2001, and Bill before which, like again back then, you're talking about every team is looking for Patrick Ewing instead of trying to find shooters and stuff. So it was obviously kind of a different time, but still. The, the unparalleled strength of the conference really cannot be overstated. I mean, you have teams, for example, Indiana's below 500 in the Big Ten. They're number 29. Maryland is 5-9 and nine in the conference. They're still 35th. Penn State's 4-9. and nine. They're 37th. Like, plenty of respect being given for the strength of the Big Ten conference. The good news is that's very likely 
to turn into very to very favorable tournament seating. And I'm going out of order a little bit here, but all the projections I'm seeing now, because we're getting to the point in the season where it starts to be reasonable to make those projections, you're probably going to see Michigan and Ohio State as one seeds, and Illinois is almost certainly going to be a two. That's I don't remember another time like you've had. There have been times like the ACC often will have a well, maybe often is not the right word, but we've seen them with multiple one seeds before, where it'll be like Duke and Virginia or Duke and Carolina, but they're always so top heavy. Like there will be two or three excellent title quality teams. And then after that, the bottom just falls out. And there's basically just a lot of teams that those elite squads are beating up on here in the big 10. Yeah. You've got teams that have the gaudy records, but the rest of the league is still so good that I think it's almost like these are going to be some of the stronger one seeds we've seen recently. Like you can, you always think about teams like 2009 North Carolina Tar Heels or whatever um, the Kentucky team with John wall, but you don't often see a couple teams come out of the same conference in the same year with this kind of strength. It's I mean, honestly, who knows what this tournament's going to look like, but on paper, it should be really good. Yeah. Cause I mean, you could, you could argue include uh, Iowa in that um, they were projected as a one seed, like as recently as like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And then February, Iowa showed up and yeah. And so despite having, all the talent that they need to be good. They're not going to win a piece of the conference title. They're not going to get there. It would be, they would have to win out to get to a three seed. I think um, most likely going to end up a four. And I'm looking at the rest of the conference field. You've got a few other teams that are certain to go. I mean, I'd say at this point, seven teams that feel either locked or reasonably confident with Michigan, OSU, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, Rutgers, I think Minnesota and Indiana are both teams that could end up in or out depending on how they finish up. Um, beyond that, it would take a team making an unparalleled run in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, um, you know, of course, the those one seeds are are again still. It, it's crazy that they're, they're probably still. Iowa probably can't get one, but Illinois could if they get the Big Ten title. They would definitely be a one seed. And all we need for that to happen is for the best player in the country to beat Michigan. Because the best player in the country would beat Michigan, would he not? Would he not? Well, we have evidence of that happening in the past. You, uh, you seem to recall a, a certain pull-up in the face of a diminutive little point guard just doing everything that he Oh, no, I'm talking play. about the best player in the country. You know, the one from preseason. It feels oh, yeah. like Luca Garza is coasting on preseason hype right now. Yeah, even though he just scored eight points against an absolute dog shit MSU team. And yes, I get it. They double teamed him every time, but it's still MSU's front court. Like he, he should have had 30, but whatever, man. He can have all the accolades if he goes and beats Michigan for us. <laughs> we can go ahead and sit here pretending that he's, you know, that, that, that he's just light years beyond anybody else in this league. Yeah, I mean, Illinois' problem in trying to make their way to a one seed. It, so, of the remaining schedule the Illini have, there's the game at Wisconsin and then the last one of the season at Ohio State. But there's also Michigan State, Northwestern, and Nebraska two more times, uh, as we mentioned a minute ago. So, those four games are not going to move the needle. Minnesota is a little bit of a. Well, land. they're not going to move the needle up. No, um, <laughs> no. Certainly, right. certainly yeah. feels like we've already used up our quota of really stupid losses by losing to Maryland. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. And I feel less that way about the Maryland or the Mizzou game that I did at the time. They've turned out to be better than I think you would, you even you would grudgingly admit it. Um, 
but yeah, sure. If, if there, there are enough Legos left here on the rest of Illinois schedule, they could lose a game other than Wisconsin or Ohio state, but I, it would take a, a flop from Illinois in an A or A plus game from their opponent for that to happen. So, yeah, well, I mean, one of the biggest problems that Illinois is having right now that could become a problem when they start playing these really densely scheduled games is that it's basically like Kofi Coburn is apparently Shaq in that, like you can really get away with doing a lot to him (laughs) and he is a big dude. And Nebraska couldn't really stop him for all night. But like, you know, at, at, at a certain point, if we're playing a whole bunch of games in the last two weeks, in the next two weeks here, at a certain point, you, you figure that taking like a good 20 fouls a night, some of which are not called, is going to wear on him. Yeah, well, you know, the schedule also, Illinois got games on the 20th, 23rd, and 24th. So <laughs> Nebraska's not the only, Nebraska and Maryland are not the only ones playing back-to-backs. And your back-to-back games are not against the same team <laughs> either. So. Yeah, and, every, um, and that's the thing. Like, everybody has kind of seen that, that, like, that's just a trend that they'll they'll really let you rough up Kofi. Um, forget hack a shack. It's go burn a co-burn. <laughs> Uh, all right. So before we turn to taking a look at the schedule across the league the next couple of weeks, um, one other topic that I thought was very interesting is the extreme Jekyll and Hyde nature of Minnesota, a team that coming into the year, I really didn't know what to think of it. I thought they were only going to go as far as Marcus Carr could carry them. There's been some truth to that. I will I will freely acknowledge they've gotten a lot more out of Liam Robbins than I thought they would. Uh, Brandon Johnson has offered them better play again than I expected as well. Kind of both of them coming from lower level conferences, but this, you know, there's been a couple impactful transfers here. I mean, Mike Smith is kind of an unsung hero for Michigan as well, but he was the guy coming up from the Ivy league and that's always, that's a jump in competition too. But so Minnesota here, you look at some of these results and trying to figure out how the same team is capable of these things is, is utterly baffling because there's a case you could bank that they've got the most impressive collection of resume wins in the country. They beat Iowa, they beat Ohio State, and they beat Michigan by like 20. Now, they also lost to Michigan, but splitting with an otherwise undefeated team is still going to be you know, pretty noteworthy. But then, then they've gotten worked over by a pretty bad Maryland team twice, although bad is still top 35 in the Ken Palm. And they got, so they got hammered by Illinois, which is understandable, and they lost big to Purdue. So they've got these three very impressive wins, but then four 15 plus point losses where Illinois is really the only powerhouse team they played in that group. It's just, it's very difficult to make any sense of what Minnesota is. They're, they're very different team from night to night. Well, you count Iowa, they, they beat them by exactly 15, but here's the one that jumps out at me. The number that jumps out at me, 13 and one at home overall, Oh, and seven on the road. Utterly bizarre in a season where I believe we've seen that overall the home court advantage has disappeared this year, or it's diminished to a point where it's essentially a non-factor. And yet for Minnesota, apparently those sight lines in the barn really do offer them an advantage or something. So that it as an anomaly in an anomalous season. Congratulations, your rugster. <laughs> Congratulations, you're weird as hell. Uh, in a season where again, really should not have been a home field, a home court advantage to speak of. Okay, so we'll bring hey, my goodness. They out of everybody in the Big Ten, they've won the most games at home. Minnesota has. 
Yeah, I believe. Well, I believe that is seven non-conference games. But yeah, I was gonna say, if I remember right, they didn't play, didn't even attempt to play in any tournaments away from home um, as we got the season underway. So yeah, I, I that makes sense to me. And but again, yeah, they are five and four against ranked teams, <laughs> yet they are six and eight in the Big Ten. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's kind of how it. That's what you get in the Big Ten, right? Um, okay, so moving on now, we'll wrap up with a quick survey of the upcoming games starting on Wednesday. We've got a team between those golden Gophers and Indiana, two teams who, again, I think are both kind of on the bubble. Um, kind of, in terms of who needs this win more, I mean, what would your take on that be? Um, man, I mean, I really don't know because you wonder if Mich- if Minnesota has so just has so many, you know, gaping holes in their resume already that it kind of doesn't matter what else they do despite all of the great things they got, it's, it's kind of, um, it's sort of like, uh, you know, the Porsche Cayman, which is, you know, uh, naturally aspirated engines in the middle versus like the original 911 turbo where it's in the back and there's this turbo lag that if you don't catch it just right, it'll spin you out. You can have the safer one and go like just about as fast, but it might not look as cool. Well, all right. So let's we'll talk about this in terms of existing resume and kind of what they might need to get in the tournament. So the problem Indiana has, they had a couple of marquee games in the non-conference, but they lost them. Um, they lost big against Texas. They lost close against Florida State in overtime. That was a really good game. I remember that one well. Um, and then looking up and down their schedule, they've been fortunate enough to sweep Iowa. But other than that, um, they haven't beaten another ranked team. Their first game against Michigan, they lost to postponement. They've lost to Illinois. They lost twice. They lost to Wisconsin. They um, lost to Northwestern to open up Big Ten play. Yes, and that's going to, I mean, we'll see. I, I think Northwestern would count as a quad two loss right now. Even Didn't though you say they were somewhere in the top 75? They, According to Ken Palm, they're 72. Yes. Ah, well then. Yeah, because basically that's the, that's the great thing about having even the basement you know, up in the top quadrant there is that unless you lose to Nebraska, none of those are going to be like really, really major nails in your coffin. Something that would be excused. So in terms of winning this game, I mean, the rest of the way, Indiana does have a shot at Michigan. Wait, does that mean Northwestern's better than Duke, according to Ken Palm? Oh, dear. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Let's confirm this. No, Duke is still 34th, according to Cal. Oh, God damn it! I just wanted so badly for this to be the one time that the student has finally surpassed the master. Well, hang on, though. I mean, we can have some fun with this. So Northwestern is 72nd. Um, <laughs> Pitt is 75th, the team that they lost what has to be the most infuriating game of the season to. Um, oh, you know who I want to find, though? Where are you, Coach Cal? 62nd? Wow. 6-13 and 13 overall, and they're 62nd in Ken Palm. That's some I don't know about these computers, man. These uh, some sci- look, science is a liar sometimes. Um, geez, that's bizarre. I don't know what to think of that. That's got man. Anyway, so to get back to our original point here, Indiana down the stretch has a couple of opportunities. They still have games against Michigan, Rutgers, and Purdue. Those are all likely tournament teams. So the flip side of that, of course, is they need to put some games in the win column here. They're eleven and nine overall, six and seven in the conference. These next two games, Minnesota and Michigan State, both at home, if they don't get both of them, there's going to be a lot of pressure those last few games because, you know, it's one thing to say, look, the conference is 
stronger than it's ever been, but Indiana's lost a couple games to cancellations. And if you're, if you're going to say like, Oh yeah, we're eight and 10 overall in the conference, we don't have any marquee non-con wins. Please admit us to the tournament. Anyway, that feels a little sketchy. So I think they're probably the team that needs the win more, but to argue the other side of it, let's take a look at Minnesota's schedule thus far. We covered some of these points here. They've got the very high marquee wins, the problem then is they've got more in the way of losses. Not really a whole lot that would be considered bad losses because, again, even getting swept by Maryland. Yeah, double-digit loss 40, against Maryland. But... Those are top 40, top 40 losses, though. Um, so it's not the kind of thing that's going to penalize you. I think because Indiana has less in the way of quality wins, they kind of need this game more. So that slows down a little bit more than I intended to. We'll, we'll run through the rest of the card pretty quickly here. On the 18th, you've got what should be a decent doubleheader of Iowa at Wisconsin and Rutgers at Michigan. So, of course, let's play both of those games on Thursday and then not have any games on Friday. Good job, schedule makers. Love it. And to just continue with our theme of really excellent scheduling this weekend, Sunday, oh boy, game of the year in the conference, Michigan at Ohio State, 1 p.m. tip off. <laughs> and the rest oh of the day, goodness. three crappy undercards at three, five, and seven. You know, just in case you were feeling like spending a frigid Midwestern afternoon, just building a crescendo of improving Big Ten quality games. And then at the very end, you get the big one that, nope. <laughs> we're eating dessert first you're gonna enjoy this entire cheesecake and then after that we're gonna serve you spaghetti so <laughs> that's how we <laughs> operate in the big time i guess um but the big game at 1 p.m on a sunday moving into next week february 23rd um i'm assuming here that illinois is going to choose to rest io and kofi on the road end of their back-to-back so you'll probably just leave those guys in champagne and then you'll only be like an eight-point favorite against Michigan State. So that that could be an interesting game. Potential trap there for Illinois. As we're confirming here now, they're not going to play Iowa or Kofi, just to make it fair. That's what that's. Am I understanding that right? Well, this won't end well for Illinois if they choose to do that. Um, just to borrow think, a turn of phrase from Dockage. I think they'd still win. Yeah, <laughs> you're really not, you're not going that one. Go, are you? <laughs> anyway. I mean, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I mean, of course, like, you know, let's let's not forget, like, Illinois' last outing, they kind of were ass in the first part of the game. Um, they had two of their starters just get absolutely slaughtered, and Grandison and uh, Adam Miller just got annihilated. And then, of course, the it always feels like whenever they grab Curbelo off the bench, like like they've killed a penalty in hockey and they're back to full strength. <laughs> yeah, they were they were down, I want to say, either 9 or 11 to nothing. And then they brought Curbelo in and they tied the game up without giving up any points. <laughs> and I just hope that he doesn't follow the Alan Griffin model of, I love being coming off the bench. I love coming off the bench. You know what else I love? Transferring to Syracuse. I call it a little bit of a Syracuse game. Um, might've been, I think they might've been playing Boston college. Yeah. Uh, this past weekend and Griffin is their best player by a pretty wide margin. Um, that Syracuse has really fallen off a cliff the last few years. <laughs> it was that the game that produced that great gif of Jim Beheim uh, taking down his mask to to do some excavating in his nose? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen it, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna exercise some maturity here. I'm not gonna look that up right now. Uh, <laughs> so Illinois will then play Nebraska, and then a couple days after that, they travel to Wisconsin for their third game in five days. I'm sure it'll go great. 
And then finally, the last game in the section we're going to preview here because we'll leave the final week for what will hopefully be one more podcast episode in the regular season. On February 28th, to wrap up the month, Iowa at Ohio State should be an excellent game. Ohio State actually has the front court strength and depth to contend with Garza and enough capable defenders that they can actually maybe stick with Iowa's attack. It's going to be an interesting game. Looking forward to it. That's weird. Ohio State is just... They're so much better this year that basically they're as good this they're they're a lot better this year than we thought they'd be last year. But because of last year, we didn't expect them to be this good this year. Yeah, the 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 difference between last year and this is not as wide as it should be, but it like it feels like it is. If that yeah, if that makes any sense. Well, because it's largely the same contributors. I don't know about that. Um, they've they brought Justice Suing online. Well, you know, I guess other than that, I mean. In terms of major contributors, I suppose you could say that. But losing the Wessons and bringing Suing and Towns into the fold, I mean, there's it's a very different looking team. Like it, there's there's not a guy named Wesson taking four out of five shots. Yeah. So anyway, this is yeah. Ohio State was maybe the one team that would have surprised me a lot if you were to say that they were up there. No, no, no. Ohio State and Michigan are both teams that would have surprised me greatly if you said they were up there at the top. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, going into the preseason, everyone the it was going to be the Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin season. Like it was, those three were going to be mar- so, you know considerably ahead of the rest of the league. Um, I don't think anyone really thought it would be Michigan, Ohio State as hot. No, it there were. I think the Torvik model projected Michigan to be extremely good, given how much different their roster is. Though that really feels a little bit like guesswork. Um, I guess it's better to be, you know, hey, yeah, right. So who am I to poo-poo the formula? But oh, another update though. Uh, Illinois got teed up yet again. This time for apparently their bench just yelling cash during a three-pointer that was not in fact cash. Um, no word on whether the fa- on whether or not it making it would have affected the ruling. <laughs> well, if you if you call cash and it's good. I don't know how you get teed up for that, but uh. <laughs> there's, I mean, uh, man, I, I've never seen this many technicals for talking and not just in Illinois. I mean, I've seen it in other games, but I've seen it from Illinois in three different games this year. That just seems, that just seems ridiculous. Maybe I, I guess it's just the refs trying to adjust to the fact that there's no crowd noise anymore. That or it could be the fact that Illinois has not adjusted to the fact that there's no crowd noise anymore. I mean, presumably, I don't know. I would guess at the beginning of the season, there were probably a lot more, you know, bench warnings and quick technicals for verbal exchanges than we'd ever seen before. But it feels like when I've been watching the games recently, there's a lot less audible expletives being shouted, at least within, or maybe they've just gotten better at controlling that from the te- from the uh, broadcasting end. I don't know. Uh, it, it uh, as opposed to like making it, it sound like a radio edit of a DMX song. <laughs> right. Where there's just gap, like gaps in the sound every other beat. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I feel as though that's kind of toned down from where it was early in the season where, yeah, you really could hear quite a bit of the cussing that goes on in the typical basketball game, but maybe that's uh I don't know. Maybe that's revisionist history on my part. Well, speaking of revisionist history, um, I guess that's going to be it for us because uh, if the schedule gets revised, then we're going to put another asterisk on our podcast um, and we'll see if that carries over to any titles that may or may not be won this season. 
people are going to listen back to this episode and they're going to you know see this from 2021 they're going to think yeah they're previewing the games but half of them Source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle. Empire.